The Magic of Thinking Big by David Joseph Schwartz One Sentence Summary The magic of thinking big gives you several starting points to develop and strengthen the most important trait of successful people, believing in yourself. My favorite quote from the author is, Do what you fear and fear disappears. David Joseph Schwartz The first thing you need to know about this book is that it was written in 1959. The author, David Joseph Schwartz, was born in 1927 and died in 1987. That's why this book does not quote countless studies or the latest scientific research. This doesn't harm the book's message at all, though. No matter where your life goals are, whether your life goals are incredibly big and daunting or fairly small and achievable, chances are you've thought, where do I even begin, more than once. The author suggests... You start by creating a mindset in which you feel 100% capable of achieving whatever you set out to do. Why does this work? Because once you start believing in yourself enough, your brain will spark the creativity required to achieve your goal. These ideas could have been the roots of what would later become positive psychology. One McKinsey study quoted in the book states that what management and societal leaders are looking for most when working with people is the drive to move forward. People are looking for this attitude because it makes sure you persevere in the face of failure and adversity instead of running away at the first roadblock. Now, David presents us with several strategies to improve your self-belief and confidence. The first is to constantly work on your creative thinking skills. As opposed to just memorizing facts which will only help you in certain situations, creative thinking will help you solve any kind of problem you will face. Your brain can assess and adapt to any situation because it stays flexible. David suggests three things. 1. Always be open to new ideas. 2. Learn something new whenever you can. 3. Ask yourself, how can I do a better job today, every single day? For example, it might seem useless to you to learn Photoshop if you're working in a car dealership, but if it's fun, do it anyway. Adopt the mentality of who knows what it might be good for. In this case, you could easily use your new graphic design skills to create a bunch of awesome Facebook ads that can help you sell a lot more cars. The second strategy is to shut down the negative voices in your head. With the news reporting mostly on horrifying events and everyone around you only complaining, negative thinking is quite the norm. However, you'll find naysayers are almost always unsuccessful or just average. You can do this by writing down a pep talk that reads like a commercial where you try to sell yourself to yourself. Focus on what makes you different, for example that you're funny, and make people laugh at work all the time. Read it out loud once a day and in quiet whenever you feel a bit down. Chances are you won't become a success all on your own. Usually people around us lift us up in a way. That's why you should treat everyone you meet with respect. Even if they act crazy, they might just have a bad day. But just like you want to be treated like an important person, so do they. As a note, the author suggests to treat everyone like they can make or break your career. Thinking that way causes me anxiety, so I'd rather adopt Kid President's philosophy. Treat everyone like it's their birthday, even if they don't deserve it. The next piece of advice regards your peers. 
you've probably heard the saying, you are the average of the five people you surround yourself with. And while you can't change the people around you, you can change the people around you. So be sure to create an environment of high quality people for yourself and only take advice from the ones that have gone where you want to go. Jeff Bezos from Amazon didn't have a lot of successful friends, so he just surrounded himself with books. By reading biographies of successful people, he felt like hanging out with them. Another important factor is your attitude, which will be reflected in the way you walk, talk and behave. Attitudes are mirrors of the mind and people always catch on to what's going on. After all, reading body language has been how we survived for thousands of years. Two things you can do to improve your attitude include always doing what you think is morally right and always dressing well. The former is powerful from the inside because you believing in your work will make sure you take pride in it. The latter is powerful from the outside because it makes you and others feel important. No one is born confident, yet everyone can learn it. Fake it till you make it is true in this case, because you can control your emotions by behaving the way you want to feel. So sit in the first row, make eye contact with people and walk faster than others. Just like dressing well, it will make you look important on the outside, which in turn will make you feel confident on the inside. You might have heard this saying, winners find solutions, losers find excuses. And it's true. This is where the book comes full circle, because believing in yourself is what creates the difference between trying to find someone to blame when things go wrong and looking for a way to try again and be better. So how do you turn all this into action? Take a two-step approach. Plan and execute. Write down a detailed step-by-step -step plan with instructions how you'll do each step and a rough idea of when you'll complete it. Then get to work and study your setbacks. Don't waste any energy beating yourself up. Just try to learn from what went wrong and take the next step. The final argument of this book is that the only difference between successful people and normal people lies in their self-belief and confidence which causes them to persist long enough for them to achieve success. My personal takeaways from the magic of thinking big for 2017. For a book that's 90 years old, that's pretty solid, I would say, don't you think? I have a few add-ons, I guess you could call them. Um... First of all, the part about dressing well is very true. I tried different outfits in different scenarios and I noticed that, for example, when I wouldn't leave the house or even when I went to the library uh, at the height of the exam period where, no, where everyone was sloppy and, and walking around like a slob going to the library in their in their jogging pants and stuff like that. I did that a couple times too. And I felt really sloppy and, and, and sloggy and slow too. So I stopped it and I upgraded to jeans and just a pullover or something. And that really changed because it made me feel like I was quote unquote going to work. Now, dressing up in a suit can even be the next level. And sometimes when I had to do that at internships, uh, for example, for important events, that made me feel even better. So I definitely get that people who wear suits will 
already start the day feeling better. I think that's there's something to that. You can't deny that. Of course, there's an 80-20 where if you wear a decent outfit that makes you feel like you look sort of stylish and, and uh, well-dressed, uh, already gets you 80% of the way there. You don't have to wear a suit every day. But there's definitely truth to that point. I think there's even more truth to the point of walking faster than us. When I walk really fast, I never stop. I never... When there's a... Um, an uh, escalator or something like that I never stand on it I always walk up because I keep walking until I'm at my destination I always take the stairs never the elevator and so on and so forth and that makes a huge difference in how I feel about myself it also makes a huge difference in how I perceive others because sometimes I feel like people are walking around as if they're living twice like how how can you walk so slowly how can you waste so much time walking getting from A to B which is clearly a tool to get to your destination when you only live once. Like, you only live once. Like, imagine. Imagine someone walks twice as fast as another person and amount that over a lifetime. How many hours would you save? That's insane. Uh, and the uh, the third add-on I have is about the people you surround yourself with. It's def That's definitely true. Um, the problem is, if you're really ambitious and once you get past a certain level of, say, productivity, it becomes really hard to find people on your level because not many people, well, will be in competition, quote-unquote, with you. So what I just wrote an answer about uh, yesterday is about how you can think of yourself as being in competition with yourself. So there's this quote by Will Smith where he says, If we both get on a treadmill, there's only two options. One, you get off first, or two, I die. So I'm not going to be outworked. That's Will Smith's perspective. He's not going to be outworked. If he if he's in a competition, he either wins or he tries until he wins or he dies. That's it. Like that's that that's his insane approach to work ethic. But I think if you think of someone like Will Smith, whose movies have grossed over seven billion dollars, think about that. Over seven billion dollars of his movies. Uh, how much his movies have made. Like, who is he, he in competition with, right? He's one of the top actors in the world. Like, there's not really anyone for him to compete with. So what I think he has in his mind, what kind of image is that if he's running on a treadmill, on the other treadmill, there's just another Will Smith. It's just a different version of himself. So when he looks over at that other treadmill, he probably sees, oh, he's like, that's another version of me. And that other version might not be as fast or as humble or as gracious or as generous or as honest or as disciplined or whatever, but he's in a competition with himself. And I think over time, no matter how many good people you have in your life um, or how many good people you have that you can at least connect to who might live farther away, if you believe you're in a competition with yourself, that's what really, really drives you to f drives you from say, say, uh, very good or like top ten percent to top one percent to world class. So that's another one. And lastly, never you never know what things are good for. That is one hundred percent true. Uh, there are countless occasions when I started an Instagram quote account, and now I might do an app for it two years later. Um, when I started writing blog posts about certain topics and they got me into coaching and the coaching got me on Medium and so on and so forth. You never know how things turn out. So don't always worry about what you do, but worry about that it's fun, that you enjoy it and that you find meaning in it on your own because not everything has to make sense to make sense.